Hey, everybody. It's uh, Rich Big Daddy Salgado with another great conversation and chat here on Big Daddy and Friends. It's my honor and pleasure to have Dan Kaplan of The Athletic. Hey, Dan, how you doing, my man? I'm good. I don't know if I've ever had anyone say honor or pleasure in introducing me before. So thank you, Rich. Listen, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we go way back. So, uh, so anyway, let's, uh, let's tell the viewers and listeners uh, a little bit about you and how you got started and what led you to uh, all your success that you are currently having and continue to have. Well, um, I was a senior in college. I went to a little school in upstate New York called Hamilton. Um, and I liked to write a lot and I liked the news and I didn't know quite what to do with my life. So someone suggested, hey, you sound like you, you, you could be a news reporter because you like, you like to write, you like news. So I took uh, a test at Columbia Journalism School to try to get in. Went, went to backpack through Europe for six months. And while I was there, I found out I got into Columbia, came back early, went to Columbia, and um, been working. In, that was 1992, and I've been working in journalism ever since. Well, we, uh, we were uh, first acquainted, obviously, when you were at the uh, Sports Business Journal. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I have to say... Uh, you made me famous. Uh, you did a nice article on me. <laughs> so I still thank you for that. And, uh, and you know, that was, I guess, in the beginning, really, you were there over 20 years, right? I, uh, yeah, my, my, when I got out of journalism school, um, I always envisioned I was going to write for the New York Times. I was going to be covering the White House. I think that's what everybody thinks they're going to do. Um, when I got out of journalism school, um, it was what, well, for the younger viewers, this is a history lesson, but it's what we, the first Bush recession. It was a it was a difficult time economically in the country in the early 90s. Uh, it's what led to the transition of the Clinton administration. Um, so I took whatever job I could get, which was a small newsletter in Washington, which I stayed with at for two years. Uh, I transitioned to a banking newspaper in New York and then to a wire service. And while at the wire service, one of my colleagues is someone who you know, probably don't know this big daddy. One of my colleagues at the, at the wire service is Liz Mullen, the uh, labor. <laughs> and she, she's, she's been at sports business journal. Now, I think 22 years. Um, I left after 20 years. Mm-hmm. She, she got approached while we were at the wire service about this new startup called sports business journal. She left. I called her up. I got the contact information and lo and behold, a week later I was hired by sports business journal. So Liz and I were, uh, we, we helped start that magazine. Uh, it's obviously an industry standard, a great publication. And after 20 years, I was looking for something new. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had the good fortune of uh, Liz uh, discussing me on in some of her publications and also having chats with her. And, and you know, a lot of times uh, she writes about, you know, uh, going after people, you know, that do wrong by these athletes, a lot of agent stuff and all that. But uh, Liz is a pistol and uh, I consider her a friend and uh, she's funny. We've had a few laughs together. So uh, so anyway, so now you're at uh, SBJ and then obviously you went on to The Athletic. Okay. Yeah. 
Explain the difference between both magazines or both publications. Well, SBJ is at the end of the day a business-to-business trade magazine. You're you're writing for the people in the business, people like yourself, agents, uh, TV executives, uh, uh, social media people. You, you 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 name it. The tens of thousands of people who every day make a living in the business of sports. Uh, so that was that was the audience I. I was I was writing to so while it was a, a niche audience it was about sports so people paid attention to it but still a lot of a lot of my time was spent on things that that might not interest the general listener here uh, at the athletic we write to the general sports audience so I'm not writing about uh, a, a technology company and how it might help a, a streaming service or something like that. I'm, I'm writing about the athletes, I'm writing about the leagues, I'm writing about the teams, uh, and, and whatever might interest the average sports fan, as opposed to the average sports business executive. And again, I've been blessed to uh, be featured in that uh, <clears throat> publication. Uh, yeah, Big Daddy and I hung out at the, the last in-person NFL event at the NFL Combine in February uh, of this year, and I, I did a piece on you. Yes, and uh, I was just listening that the combine this year, they may only just bring in the uh, the three hundred guys that they bring in, and only do height, weight, and and forty, and then get them out. Which uh, I don't know. Again, I mean, that still have three hundred fifty people, athletes that you're bringing in, or whatever the number is, and then you also have all these teams that are sending you know, all these different personnel people and coaching staff. So it's, you know, it's like a big clutter still. So well, I, I don't, the, clearly the combine is not going to occur the way we we've experienced it in years past. Uh, I, I haven't heard the precise details on it, it, what it's going to look like, but uh, it, I'm sure it'll be a slimmed down version. Yeah. I don't know if uh, I'll even go this year. Um, because you know what, you don't uh, you don't know what the access will be like. You don't know where anybody's going to be or who, what, where, and when. So I guess it's one of those you know wait and see kind of deals. And uh, are you going to the Super Bowl? I mean, because that's another one that's going to be slimmed down. Well, if the Buffalo Bills get in, I will be there because obviously my baby brother is a coach on that staff. So fair point. And, uh, you know, they're playing well. Uh, you know, they uh, – listen, I just hope they keep winning, and, and uh, it would be great for my brother and obviously for the city of Buffalo. You know, the Pagulas are uh, great owners, great people. I've become uh, friends with Kim Pagula, and uh, it would be great to, you know, see see that happen. So, but one game at a time, and, uh, and, and we'll see. So. Well, they looked good last night. Yeah, they. Uh, I speak to my brother, uh, especially it's funny, after they've been on national TV now at night. So we had our chat around uh, 12, 15 or so, and he was so excited. You know, they, they were able to sweep New England for the first time since, I believe, 1999 or 2000. And so uh, they're on their way, and uh, they just have to keep, uh, keep focused and hopefully keep doing the things that they're doing, you know. So, so anyway, it, it's safe to say, just for the uh, per, the uh, viewer and the listener, 
that your main focus is the NFL, correct? It's it, it's my principal focus, but I do. I mean, last night I was busy on a story on the soap opera that is the legal battle between the Washington football team owner owners, the principal owner Dan Snyder and his limited partners, who have a very knockdown drag drag out uh, legal battle going on over the future ownership of the team. But I do I do do other stories. I had a piece about LeBron James suing a photographer earlier this week that got a lot of attention, a lot of interest on the site. Um, so I, 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 my title is sports business writer. I've seen senior sports business writer. So that takes me into a lot of areas, but uh, they do want me focused primarily on the NFL for obvious reasons. So let me ask you a question to put, to put you out there in front of everybody. Uh, who do you think is going to end up in Tampa? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I'm the sports business writer. I'm not the sports writer. So I, I know, but that's why I was I more equipped to answer this question than, than <laughs> I did. Um, uh, I'll, I'll never forget sitting next to one of our uh, at the Miami Super Bowl. We had an athletic dinner. I won't give away who it was, but I was sitting next to one of our senior senior writers, uh, football writers, and we were talking about that that game. And I just I remember suggesting I don't see how the 49ers win because Mahomes is so much better than Garoppolo. And he went through all the statistics about why Garoppolo was just as good as Mahomes. And I just looked at him like he was crazy. And of course, we saw how that game ended. So if I I, I see Mahomes back in the Super Bowl, uh, probably against Green Bay and which is an easy prediction. But that's the one I'm going with. Well, you know, it was funny. Last year, obviously, I went out on a limb, and, and I've been uh, fortunate to be a, a Super Bowl correspondent for Fox & Friends every year since about 2008. My picks have not been the greatest, uh, but last year I just went with my heart, and I said Kansas City would win. And if you would have saw the looks I got from everybody, um, you know, they had San Francisco taking the trophy home before the game was even played. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I uh, proved everyone. I proved America wrong, which would made me made me laugh and smile at the same time. But I, I was, like I said, I was going with my heart uh, due to the relationships there with you know so many people on that staff, and I was cheering for Andy Reid and Steve Spagnola, the two uh, two important people in my life and friends for years now. So. Uh, but uh, this year, I'm a little biased, obviously, due to the fact that I have uh, blood in the game. And uh, we'll see what happens. I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to make any predictions. Uh, I'm cheering for uh, my brother. So well, I just hope if it's Buffalo, if they get, especially if they get to the AFC Championship game at home, I know that would be on the road if KC won their first game. But that fans are allowed, allowed in the stands at uh, at at the new New York, is it New Era Field? What's the new name of that stadium? I'm trying to remember. I don't know if it's New Era. It's not New Era anymore. That no, it's not. It's not. Uh, uh, the Buffalo Bills home stadium. Yeah, Bills, uh, Bills Stadium. I don't even know if they got a title sponsor yet, but uh, but anyway. So, it would be nice to see fans in the stands there. Yeah, you know, that's the one thing that my brother said to me one time. He's like, you know, you walk outside and it's like, wow, nobody's here. And, you know, even even before that, when you're pulling up to the stadium, it's like being at a college game. And I've had the good fortune of being there a few times. And 
they have some of the greatest fans, I think, in sports up there. And for them not to be able to enjoy the success that the team is having right now, it's a shame. You know, even if you had twenty or 30,000 people, at least it's – even if you had 10, would be outstanding for somebody to be able to share that, you know, with the team. And it's outside. You could social distance uh... – I'm not, you know, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but it seems, it seems um, strange with all the signs that you can't social distance out in that outdoor large venue. So let me ask you this, Dan. Uh, we'll get into the business side of things. You've got a couple of coaching vacancies that are already open, um, and we don't have to get into who's going to get fired or any of that. We leave that to ESPN and NFL Network and all those other people. But who do you think, on your radar, if you had time to even think about it, are potential head coaching candidates? Well, clearly in Kansas City, uh, the offensive coordinator there. Uh, but to take a step back, um, the NFL has been very disappointed from a diversity perspective on, on the head coaching hires in recent years. Uh, I think we've, we've all seen the stories of the number of uh, minority head coaches it's not been the nfl launched the rooney rule almost 20 i think it was almost 20 years ago and they're now where what, what is it two or three minority head coaches so uh, there's going to be a big big push for for diversity in the head coaching ranks this year so i'm not, I'm not saying that's how you look at who's going to get hired clearly this is who, who's the most equipped to do the job but that, that is a context to understand this year's process. We wrote a story at The Athletic. I wrote it with Lindsey Jones, our, 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 one of our senior NFL writers, and we described this as perhaps the most important off-season hiring cycle in NFL history. So it's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, you know, uh, like you mentioned, Kansas City, Eric Bieniemy, but everyone's so enamored with these young offensive coordinators, you know, these uh, young offensive minds. Uh, the one name that comes, and obviously, again, I may sound a little biased, but, uh, you know, yeah, Brian Dayball, obviously, in Buffalo, he's a hot name right now, what, what he's done with Josh Allen. But also the guy that I think is being overlooked is Leslie Frazier. Because what he's been able to do the past couple of years with that defense, especially now the way they're playing up there, I mean, that's a guy that I think – and I know the Pagulas have uh, aggressively pushed his name out there to owners to take a look at him. You know, I think it would be great for him to get another crack at it. And I think he's deserving of it, especially if they go to the Super Bowl, you know. There's also the defensive coordinator in San Francisco – Who's done a great job? Right, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So th th those are those are some of the names to look at. Uh, obviously, there's the college ranks, the Urban Myers, uh, the Dabo Sweeney's. There's the speculation that our friend Mike Tannenbaum has put out there that with Jacksonville apparently drafting uh, Trevor Lawrence, perhaps the Sweeney's. You know, Dabo will make the trek down down to Florida to be the head coach in Jacksonville. It's all speculation, but, you know, it's always the college ranks is something to take a look at, too, here. Yeah, it's uh, – I'll tell you, being Dabo Sweeney, you've got the best of the best where you're at there at Clemson, and I would imagine a contract to get him to leave there, you know, he's making about $10 million on the books. 
<laughs> so, you know, is the owner at Jacksonville uh, con, is he going to be ready to open up the purse strings? Because uh, that's a that's a big number to fill out, especially after you're eliminating a whole staff and bringing in a new guy and, you know. But I guess if you bring Trevor Lawrence there, you're uh, when it's time to fill those seats, you're going to have a lot of seats filled because everyone's excited to see this guy play at the next level. And if you bring Dabble, then you're really you're bringing a one-two punch to the NFL. And I, I have no inside information on this. I'm just repeating what Mike Tannenbaum ha, ha, has said. So and it is in the context of talking about you know these head coaching vacancies that are out there are coming up, but um, it's just a fun one to think about. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason. And, uh, you know, as the NFL stands for not for long, and uh, it's just, you know, everyone's always looking to get better, upgrade, and turn everything around when you haven't had a good season. So it's going to be interesting. So, so what else? Uh, let's discuss – what are hot topics for you now that uh, you may be working on or, you know, without giving out too much or what are you hearing out there? Well, uh, from a business side, the big thing is next year's salary cap in the NFL. Uh, the league and the union struck a deal going into this season that the cap could not fall below 175 million. It's 198.2 million uh, th- this, this season. Um, if the cap probably otherwise would have fallen well below 175 because with no fans in the stands, you're taking about one-third to 40% of NFL revenues away, and the league is a $15, $16 billion a year business, so it's a substantial sum of money that the, the league is out. Um, there is talk the, the league will probably go to a 17th game for the NFL schedule, next season that could mean more tv money coming in so that's why the nfl the nfl is trying to figure out the salary cap they're trying to figure out if they're going to have some new tv deals to account for the 17th game uh so it's something to keep an eye on whether the salary cap will be higher than 175 which is important to a lot of the teams that are will be tight up against that 175 figure yeah it's going to be interesting that money keeps going up and up and the tv money keeps coming in and I guess when you got to play uh, guys $20, $30 million a year, the money's got to come from somewhere. And these owners, uh, they have to have the funds to write those big checks. So uh, it's curious to learn more and more about it. Um, so what's next for Dan Kaplan? What else uh, What else you got, uh, you're thinking about or anything that you may want to share in regards to yourself? <laughs> I'm just trying to get through the end of the year like everybody else. Um, you know, you can see where I'm sitting. and working from home for nine, ten months. I live in a three-bedroom apartment with my two kids and wife in the Upper West Side of Manhattan. I'm in my son's room right now. He has, uh, he's got an anime with anime wanted posters on the wall behind me. If anyone was was wondering, so I don't have any big big picture you know, macro moves afoot in my career, at least not yet. I'm just like everyone trying to get through this uh, pandemic. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been one crazy world we've been living in. And, uh, you know, I hope you and your family are staying safe. And uh, and I know it's tough because it's been tough on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you, you know it well. I mean, we know what happened to you. Yeah, I definitely uh, 
but I'll tell you one thing. The one thing that I did benefit from, and it's funny, is I'm down. You know, when I got sick, I lost about close to 30 pounds. Now I'm down 62 pounds. Mm. I followed the uh, – I'm not doing the long-distance running like you do or mm-hmm. playing tennis or anything like that. But, you know, diet and, and uh, cardio every day uh, has really played a major role in my life now. And, uh, you know, I was trying to stay focused, stay healthy. And I'm looking for a big 2021 with some other things that are be coming down the pipeline and something that hopefully you and I will be working on maybe one day. And, um, and it's exciting stuff ahead. I just want to get through the, I want to get through this week. Everyone I would imagine wants to put 220 behind us and look forward to 2021 and big and exciting things. You know, we have a big map of the world on our, um, on our wall at home. And when, when COVID first hit and it came out of China and things shut down, my little boy crossed out China on the map. I think <laughs> in the year, in the cal- year, if you have calendars on the wall, I think we're going to cross 2020 out on, the, on those calendars. We don't want to think about it again. Yeah, yeah. It's something to live in the past and forget about it as part of history and move on. So the one thing that uh, uh, I ask everybody here as a guest when they come on is to Let's turn the mic over to you, and you ask me something that maybe you may want people to know or just something that you're curious to know. I mean, even though you know me pretty much head to toe, but uh, go ahead. I'm handing you the mic. That's a lot to know for you head to toe, though. Uh, so uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I was enjoying not being the reporter for once here, Big Daddy. Um so uh, what was your greatest achievement in college football in Maryland? You know what? my And it's funny. I'm going to answer this totally honestly. Um, my biggest achievement was accepting the scholarship to Maryland because um, I went through a lot to get there, you know, with the help of my family. You know, I did prep school. Uh, I didn't have the grades coming out of high school, so I had to go and force myself to be a student in a short period of time and also dedicate myself both physically, mentally, and to have me be the first person in my family to go to college. That was really the biggest and greatest thrill for me and most successful thing in in relation to University of Maryland. Okay, but what about your on-field play? Was there a play, a game? I can tell you you one thing. There was one time where, um, for whatever reason, I did not think I was playing. And I did not get – and this is funny. I don't think I've shared this story with too many people, but I'll share it with you. I didn't get taped. I used to always get my ankles taped, my wrists taped. And um, for whatever reason, I didn't do it. Then all of a sudden, Big Daddy, you're in. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I almost had a nervous breakdown on the sidelines. I didn't know what to do because I was not geared to do it. Well, I'll tell you, I uh, did it. And I walked like Fred Sanford the next day because (laughs) my ankles were so sore from not having the support of being taped, you know, and, and, you know, that's a, 
that was one, probably one of the things I'll never ever forget because I said, wow, this is when you really need to take things into account and be serious and, you know, hey, someone's uh, laying out all this money for you to be a student athlete and perform yeah. at your best. So uh, that was a that was a, a lesson well learned. Always be prepared, right? Exactly. So, uh, you know, those are and and there's so much history with Maryland, so many people, this and that, and you know, there's there were great times. There were unfortunately, I was there when Len Bias died, and you know, that was a real rough. Uh, a real rough time period there, but uh, what was it like? What was it like when that happened? Well, I remember I walked to class the next morning, and uh, I had a class that was summer school, and there was about I'd say about fifty to sixty people in the class, and the teacher got up in front of everybody and said, "Class is canceled." So of course you're like, "Yay!" You know. But it's at 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, class. So um, you're like, oh, I got out of bed. I got to get all the way over there. And da, 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 da. And then when the teacher said, uh, I've got horrible news, uh, Len Bias died, I, I, my jaw dropped. And, uh, and, and for me, I was fortunate enough to – I wasn't friends or buddy-buddy with Lenny, but um, – I was able to meet him a few times and uh, I had a class with him that was funny. Uh, you know, he came to class one time and they gave him a standing ovation because uh, they had beat North Carolina. And I was, I w- if I was a betting man, I was going to say, you know, they got home whatever time it was and he showed up to class the next day. And the teacher, they gave him a standing O and class was canceled. <laughs> so I was like, all right, Lenny, congrats. And, and he was, uh, he was uh, how would I say, in the Roman time or Greek times, like godlike. You know, mm-hmm. so he was who he was. And, you, and I'll never forget when I took my recruiting trip to Maryland, you know, they took us to a basketball game. And uh, they were playing at the time Towson State, which was nothing that you want to write home about at the time. It was just the beginning. And I said, "My man, I'm going to get to see Len Bias. So uh, we got there a couple minutes late. He played uh, the first half, second half didn't play. And uh, my host is like, well, Lenny's done, we're done. And we left. And, you know, and I was like, wow, if I don't come to school here, at least I saw probably the greatest basketball player at the time. Mm-hmm. And and for me, it was hard to even admit that because, you know, I grew up a St. John's fan. So mm-hmm. all Chris Mullen, Walter Berry, Bill Wennington, that whole thing. And uh, but to watch that and then unfortunately watch his uh, passing was uh it was a rough time, but, uh, you know, they rest in peace, and I'm glad that they still remember him. And, you know, I think he just got inducted into the College uh, Hall of Fame, I mm-hmm. College Basketball Hall of Fame. So very deserving, very reward. You know, uh, it's a great reward and uh, an, an, an award as well. So, uh, but anyway, so, uh, Dan, I want to say uh, – 
thank you for coming on. It's uh, obviously this is different now. I'm the one interviewing you, where you're the one who've done it. You, you've done it with me, the opposite. So uh, again, I want to say thank you for coming on and uh, keep an eye out for us, Big Daddy and Friends. Uh, you can find us on Amazon. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. And also at www.sportsnut, which is spelled N-A-U-T, dot com. And until next time, Dan, I'm sure we'll see each other sooner than later. And I hope so. Absolutely, yeah. We'll get through this, and uh, we'll have our usual meeting at Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If, if, if they're still open. Yes, yes. There's not too many around, but if they're yeah. still open, uh, we'll find a place. We'll find a way, and we'll get it done. So, Again, Dan, thank you so much, and uh, we will talk sooner than later, I'm sure. And Happy New Year, everyone. Right, yes, Happy New Year to everybody, all you listeners and viewers out there.